Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is for Fox Sake. Hello and a welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby, and alongside me, once again, is Mr. Rob Hayes. We shall not be moved. We shall not be moved. This is episode 33 of For Fox Sake. 33. 33 episodes. 33 episodes. Have we done a podcast where we have been five points clear at the top of the Premier League with nine games to go? Yeah, we're doing it right now. No, but we've not done one before. This, no, is, this is new ground. This is new territory for every Leicester fan, and especially as they get to ramble on about it every other week. It's new territory. It's probably never going to happen again. Hopefully it will do, but it's... Um, it's strange because I'm still in that kind of, as much as I said on the last podcast that we're now in a title race after what happened at Arsenal and I was a bit riled up about it. But now I've gone back into that, oh, it's just another game, another game after that. Let's just see what happens. No worries about things. But we are five points clear with nine games to go. Yeah, three games on from that moment that you had. Yes. I mean, end of the day, we have had... Um, Three games in between the previous podcast. The previous podcast was, like I said, after that, Arsenal TV Nightmare, which was what we called episode 32. And the three games we've had, we've had Norwich at home, we've had West Brom at home, and then the away uh, win on TV against uh, Watford. Um, Various reasons why there's been a bit of a delay uh, in between. Obviously, the fact that we've had game after game after game, and that we do have lives away from football. Surely not. No, not at the moment. It's all football, football, football. My my uh, life is football. Exactly. So uh, we are back, we are here, and uh, we're going to discuss these three games uh, uh, to start with, and then we'll move on to other topics that have been mentioned with the club recently. So, Norwich. I was there. Were you there? I wasn't there, no, but I have seen extended highlights and by all accounts it wasn't our best performance but how, how long were the extended highlights not very long was, was it was it the goal at the end about, about two and a half minutes yeah. exactly it, it <laughs> seemed to me like the first half especially was two teams who haven't played for about two and a half weeks it had that kind of not hangover but that kind of um first game of the season kind of like just feeling to out seeing what's uh, what formation we're playing trying to uh, get used to playing again and um fair play to Norwich I mean, you know the fans were decent and uh, the the team is just not of the quality of a team who's going to be pressurising anyone from mid-table upwards. They've got one or two decent players and they missed a few chances. But overall, it was uh, Leicester taking the three points with a late, late, late goal from substitute Leonardo Ojoa. And the one thing I will say about the goal is that at the first time, it took me ages to see a replay. I don't think I saw a replay for about five days. And... Um, I thought at the time it was just a tap-in, brilliant, you know, uh, move away to the crowd and, and celebrate. But actually, he did well. Yeah, he's taken it really well. He, yeah. he took it well for saying he just had to guide it in the back of the net. Yeah, and that's another important goal that Leo Ajoa scored. I mean, he, he got himself into double figures in his debut Premier League season, which ultimately, even though he got most of his goals at the beginning of the season, they contributed to enough points to keep us up. And now he's just popped up with that goal there because... A nil-nil against Norwich when you've not played particularly well doesn't feel great, does it? But when you come out of a game not played well or particularly well, it's not quite 
clicked or linked together with the pace and the precision that it has been doing in previous weeks. To come away with a one-nil win and three points is is massive. It's massive, and it's the uh, the 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 usual uh, saying of it's the sign of champions to play badly and win. But then again, that is that's that's how you win titles, and that's what we saw Leicester win a few years ago in the championship turning over teams when they didn't play very well and winning 1-0 and 2-1 but uh, it was good for Ajoa a little touch from Vardy just took it um, uh, away from its usual uh, path across the face of goal from Albrighton out wide fair play to Ranieri making changes changing the team um, changing the formation uh, to try and put more and more pressure on Norwich and and taking a risk Uh, you know we ended up with three at the back they took a risk to go for the three points um, and we were discussing Ranieri's impact with substitutes and changing formations later on. But uh, it was a debut for uh, Armati, Daniel Armati at fullback, obviously because uh, Simpson was suspended from that red card against Arsenal. Don't get into it again. <laughs> I've calmed down since then. I've met, uh, there's people who are still really wound up about the Arsenal oh, game. Come on, we're three, four games on now. But exactly, I'm not. I, that's what I'm saying. There are people out there who are still really... Oh, I can't stop thinking about that Arsenal game. Really? I was the I was the, the madman on the mic, and yet I forgot about that now. We've, we've, we've looking into the future. But um, Armati, it's quite quite interesting debut. The first three or four touches, the first 20 minutes or so, it was a bit of, what have we got here? Um, he looks really nervous with the ball at his feet. Um... A few, you know, I think his first touch, he just bounced off his knee. But then again, he's nervous. He's a young lad uh, coming into a team who are flying at the top of the table. At, and, at uh, a level he's never played at before. Oh, yes. And uh, he grew into the game. The one thing with him is obviously he's a big lad. And in the second half especially, he really uh, dominated in the air, something which Simpson can't do because of his size, although he, he has managed that very well this season, Simpson. And um, it's it's good to have that option there. And uh, he grew into the game, became more confident, and then a, a few little rampaging runs. Um, He's an athlete, isn't he? He is, and uh, you can see that there is a player there. Uh, and again, it's 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 a lesson which I think Leicester fans, more than anyone, will now really take to heart that if a player doesn't seem the best player on earth straight away, we need to give him time. Look at the starting lineup. Yeah, look, yeah. Mares, Mares couldn't, couldn't get a start for love no money when he first came to us, could he? Vardy, these players who have just grown and grown and grown, um, and I mean even someone like Simpson, just give the players time and let them develop. And this is obviously something for the future, but uh, promising, a promising debut, um, and another clean sheet. Like I said, they had a few few chances, but uh, overall it was the three points that mattered. And then we moved on to. Tuesday night, West Bromwich Albion. We did. Cracking game, that. I can't believe you missed that one. I wasn't there. I know. I, <laughs> I was there. there. I wasn't there. It was the... It's. I think I missed Man City. I wasn't here for the Manchester City game for... I can't remember why. But that was the previously the only game I've missed at home this season. Um, and I was away. I, I listened to it on Five Live going down the motorway to London and... I uh, it was it was very exciting just from a, a, a neutral point of view, i.e. Five Live. They were all over Leicester. They were complimentary. Joey Barton was the uh, the co-commentator, and you could they were willing them on, and they were all over Mario saying what a brilliant player, having a fantastic game, um, and, and what a great game of football. But I'll pass this over to you. It was a great game of football. <laughs> there were an unbelievable number of chances. I think West Brom played much better than a lot of people expected them to 
Uh, they've picked up a little bit in, in the last week or two, but they, they've been struggling really for results or at least performances. It's a Tony Pulis side that plays traditionally four centre-backs, four central midfielders, and then a big man up front. That's essentially how he operates even now at West Brom. But they played more football than I expected them to. Darren Fletcher was brilliant in the middle. His pass for Rondon's goal was unreal. Rondon shrugged off Robert Huth for the goal. I've, see, I've seen that. I've seen the replay. I, mean, I, I think he must be the, the only person in the history of humankind to shrug off Robert Huth. Uh, and Rondon scored again for West Brom at the weekend as well, which uh, which proves what class he's got. Yeah, West Brom were just West Brom were good, but Leicester squandered so many chances. But you've got to take the positive that we were creating them. But Okazaki and Vardy both missed headers. Vardy missed two, Okazaki missed one. You wouldn't expect to get many headed opportunities against West Brom when they're playing four centre-halves. But they got in between, they made the runs, they were picked out perfectly by Mares or Brighton, and we know what quality of delivery they've got. But, you know, you kind of came away thinking, yes, we've been entertained, yes, it's 2-2 and another point on the board, but it could and should have been a bit more. Fast forward 24 hours from that, all of a sudden it's a great point based on other results. But at the time it was quite frustrating, I think. Yes, uh, I was disappointed or, you know, frustrated, like you said, with the points. Uh, the goalkeeper obviously had an exceptional game. Chances, were they, I mean, were they squandered or would you say the goalkeeper um, performed heroics? There were a couple, especially the headed chances should have been converted. But you wouldn't expect Vardy and Okazaki to be particularly prolific with the heads. Foster did make some superb saves. He's, he's a quality keeper and... Regardless of the the job that Boaz Myhill did for most of the season for West Brom, as soon as Foster becomes available again and fit, you can see why he's selected because Myhill can do a good job, Foster can do a great job. He made some really good saves. Yeah. Interesting comments from Tony Pulis afterwards in the press conference as he uh, mentioned the game for all of a few seconds and then said, "Right, I'm a Leicester fan for the rest of the season. I want them to win the league." Nobody could get any more about the game out of him. He came in and he stood up as he as he's his warrant when he likes to stand and sort of addresses his ador- uh, adoring is a strong word his public uh, his press the media the public the <laughs> the public yeah I was just stood there in the in the press room watching him and he, he seemed completely uninterested in the game he was like yeah good game 2-2 Leicester are a great side and then he went on to say that he's a Leicester fan now simple as that and he said everybody Leicester he said Leicester fans should be so proud of their team as well which I think is a is a key point it's interesting though because when you look at the run-in and you look at future games and the fixture list these games they, on paper they look not relatively not easy but they look relatively easy compared to other games that we could possibly play but the games that have happened recently I'm, I'm, I'm referring to uh, yesterday at the time of recording West Brom turning over Man United granted they had a man sent off but this season, of all seasons, I don't think it matters who you're playing. Like we said, the day, the day after, all the headlines were Leicester have blown it. The big chance to move clear, move five points clear. Now they're only three points or two points clear, whatever it was. But then look what happened. Arsenal, at home to Swansea, lose 2-1. West Ham versus Tottenham. West Ham, the last time they're going to play Tottenham at the bowling ground, bang, 1-0. And then Man City getting turned over and they look dreadful away at Liverpool. After beating them in the League Cup, they should have been full of beans going there. So the three title challengers all losing the day after, that point against West Brom turned into a really vital and well-earned and, and deserved point. Maybe, obviously, could have been a couple more. But um, 
one thing I will say about uh, the coverage I heard, they tried to interview as many Leicester fans straight away as possible. And every single one just turned around and said, what a brilliant game, great point, next game, fantastic, great season. And they were saying, yes, but surely you're disappointed. Is this the title blown? Have you thrown it away? And they couldn't find one person who would say that. They, they would have been out there. Yeah, of they course were, there would have been There some, were people yeah. thinking it. Yeah. But they couldn't find it. And it was so refreshing because they turned around and they ended up saying on air, well, we've gave up trying to find someone who's disappointed with that. They've all walked away from the ground saying, what a brilliant game. And the next game, let's go and get three points. And that was against Watford. So moving forward to the most recent match then, and it was a Saturday early evening, tea time kickoff away at Watford. Always a good Leicester travelling support down the M1, not too far to go. And we went into the game knowing the previous results. Spurs and Arsenal had drawn 2-2 in a brilliant North London derby earlier on in the day, which did us a favour, gave us the chance to pull further clear. But it could and possibly did have a bit of a added pressure on the Leicester fa- on the Leicester players sorry for the for the match against Watford do you think and the fans as well it was well, um, yeah the fans would have been more nervous as well yes i mean the the, the first game the uh, the early game the Tottenham Arsenal would you call it a dilly ding dilly dong london derby <laughs> i knew you were going to get that in you threatened to get it in at some point in the podcast <laughs> and i did not know where it was coming that's the we're, uh, we're going to cross we, we'll cross uh, we'll, we'll mention that later all right um stay, stay tuned for the uh, dilly ding dilly dong um, yes, yeah, so we knew that a victory would be fantastic and move us five points clear after that draw, which was the best result for Leicester fans. Absolutely, um, yeah. I, I was at work at the time talking to hundreds of fans um, throughout the day and we're all saying, right, a draw and then possibly an Arsenal win if you had to pick one or the other. But anyway, Leicester went into the game against Watford and uh, just speaking about Watford, it was it was a poor game overall in terms of quality if you're watching from a neutral point of view. For us, it's all about the three points. But um, Watford looked like they've ran out of steam to me. They've relied heavily on the goals of Igalo, who looked a shadow of the player, really. And they, they looked like they've run out of steam. They're a good team, good, solid team. Remembering the game at the King Power, which was dominated, really, from that era by your mate, Hilarious Gomez. Hilarious Gomez. Um, and and that, that broke the deadlock. That never looked like breaking really in that game um and it the pitch was very very wet and Leicester started well they started passing quite well but I think the conditions dictated and and the fact that Watford are a very very solid team and these sorts of games are decided by either errors i.e what happened at the King Power with the goalkeeper or a moment of magic players are in in teams for certain for roles You've got your centre-halves to keep things tight at the back. Uh, you've got your midfield dynamos and, and, and your centre-forwards to pick up chances or or score these goals. But you've got players like Riyad Mahrez, who might be drifting in and out of games, might not even get a touch for half an hour or so, and then bang. When he does get a touch, it's normally quite a good one. Moment of magic. Like I said, a little bit of composure on the edge of the area. Leicester worst in the second half. They, they started very well and were pressurising for the goal. And then a lovely goal from Mares. Control the ball, edge of the area. One touch out of his feet and then bang. Top corner and then celebrated right in front of the City fans. And the one thing I will say is when Mares scored, um, I said that we need to score another goal very quickly because we're on top. If not, it's going to be one of those backs to the wall the Alamo against us, launching balls into the penalty area with Dini, etc. up front. I have never been more comfortable watching Leicester defend a 1-0 lead. Igalo had a header, which 
yes, looking back, he might have done better with because uh, he was obviously put off by the high boot from Huth. But apart from that, there was nothing. I was so comfortable watching that 1-0 win. You do surprise me because yeah. Leicester City leading 1-0 has rarely been comfortable. No, and it has been this season in many games at home by winning by one goal and the opposition not really having a chance to create goal-scoring opportunities. Um, it's testament to our system though, isn't it? It's testament it to the system that keeps things tight. Uh, OK, we failed to keep a clean sheet for a long time, but teams don't get through us very easily because of the system that we're playing. But that system, is it's not defensive by any means because most teams will come to set up one way or the other. They'll come to set up tight and maybe catch the odd chance from a set piece or something. Or they'll come to have a right go at you and give you a go. Leicester seem to be able to do both at the same time in the same system, which is why we're top of the league. Exactly. And I know people out there will be thinking, well, I was really nervous. That's fine. That's that's great. But think back to the game. It was it was very comfortable. We looked like the team was going to get the second. Granted, getting the second would have been fantastic. Um, I, I mentioned about the team and Golo Kante coming back into midfield after uh, pulling up with a bit of an injury, which worried everyone. And obviously, he missed the game midweek, which Andy King replaced him and scored. Able deputy Andy King, definitely. Exactly. Uh, and it was good to see him back in the team. Uh, there was a moment when Mares pulled up and everyone just... Took breath and went. Hang on, his is Mares out for you know three to four even more weeks with a hamstring. Um, and I will say, uh, it's apparently he said it was cramp and it was Ranieri fine. Ranieri said cramp as well. Yeah, he? I would be. Um, I would wait for a few more days just to see what happens. Granted, the next game is against Newcastle, which is a full week and a bit away. So. Um, there rest, is rest it, Riyadh. Exactly. Put your feet up for a couple of days. You deserve it. I'd, I'd, I'd give it best on that. I'd wait until maybe later in the week to see actually what has happened, and then and go from there. Um, now you mentioned, um, actually, you mentioned just off air about uh, Morgan maybe having the man and match performance against uh, West Brom um, in his battle with uh, the centre forward Rondon. The man of the match award for the Watford game. Uh, straight away, I gave it to. Mr. Claudio Ranieri. Controversial. I didn't give it to a player. I know Marius, I think he might have got it from TV, obviously because of the goal goal, and etc. Brilliant. But I would have given it to Ranieri. You are drawing 0-0 away at Watford in a game that's very tight. They're not on top. You're not really on top, but you're not out of the game at all. And what does Ranieri do? Maybe because of a knock here and there. Nice and bold. Bold and intelligent substitutions. Off comes Albrighton, on comes Jeff Schlupp, who, by the way, has looked exceptional since he's come back from his injury. And then on comes Andy King for Okazaki. And so two changes for a team who are top of the league away at Watford and the game is very tight and no one's really on top. And then look what happened. Fantastic. We get the goal and the ability then of Andy King, if we score, Andy King can then sit back and make it maybe free in the centre of midfield um, or Jeff Schlupp could maybe uh, move up top or whatever. It gives the options, it gives the team a, a lot of options. You can then maybe bring on, um, you could maybe take off one of the midfielders and bring on a Joa if we're going for the game. If you bring King uh, back into midfield, maybe alongside Kante or alongside Drinkwater and then bring on a Joa up top. It gives... A lot of flexibility with the team. So intelligent substitutions, brave substitutions, something I think a lot of managers um, wouldn't have the balls basically to do it, but also they don't have the trust in players such as Andy King and Jeff Schlupp to come on and not only uh, replace what's happened and move players around, but make an impact, a positive impact on the game. Nobody would have 
said anything bad about Ranieri if he hadn't made those changes. Because as you say, it was tight, it was level, we were well in the game. Yeah. And to start the second half at nil-nil against Watford, away from home, when you're top of the league and you're thinking, right, points are of the priority here. But Ranieri was just like, no, nah, I'm going to go for it. Exactly. From our position watching on TV or watching in the stands, you're watching the game going, it's fine, OK, no worries. We, we, we'll, we've had a few chances in the first half. Vardy could have scored from a, a squared ball from Mares. Um we are the team that's looking more likely to score and, and go and take the three points. But with all of his experience, and he knows the team now, and he knows the players, he stood there on the sideline, didn't like what he saw. Or he knew that he could make an impact by making this specific substitution in this game. Uh, so a double substitution at half-time, that changed the game. Leicester went and won, and so hats off to Ranieri. Uh, a very brave and bold decision, which ultimately made Leicester uh, go clear of the chasing pack. Now it's uh, five points clear at the top of the table, looking forward to the Newcastle game. Dilly ding, dilly dong. What does that even mean? <laughs> I put it out there and a few people got in contact and said, uh, what? Um, for those of you who, who haven't seen the, the clips... You're or, missing out. Yeah, you are missing out. Just basically search for it. But um, the question was asked at a press conference with Ranieri um, about an imaginary bell. I think it was Danny Drinkwater who let slip about this imaginary bell. And Ranieri, was, he looked quite shy and quite... Uh, oh, don't worry about it. You know, I, I don't really want to talk about it. And then just basically said, well, you know, if you want to get everyone's attention, you know, if they're all talking or just want to get... Dilly ding, dilly dong. Well, that's it. <laughs> Absolutely golden. And um, and I think he, he then bought all the players a, a little bell for All the players and all the Christmas. staff for Christmas, yeah. For Christmas. But then the reporter had bought Ranieri a bell mm. in the press conference and gave it to him and he sat on his little desk and he went, ding, 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 it's, dilly ding, dilly dong. It's, uh, I mean, it's and, comical, isn't it? It's, 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 it's comical. But again, looking at it from you know a football point of view, if you're one of the players watching that... You couldn't help but just you know, have a little bit more of a, a you know respect and a bit of a laugh with the manager. He's obviously got the respect of the players, um, but he's also liked by them. Exactly. You can, you, it's difficult. It's a difficult balance to get both. You can be the hard taskmaster. I can't imagine a lot of players like Nigel Pearson because I can no. imagine that he ran the rule pretty much as that, a dictator. What I say goes. That Ranier, was his style, wasn't it? Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, but Ranieri seems to have. That level of respect is kind of like the elder gentleman, the man who's been there, seen everything, done everything, the tactician with his imaginary bell. But also his his personality is so warm and so likeable that you even if at the start of the season, part of a little part of me didn't really want to like him. I want I, I didn't want to see him fail by any means, but I didn't think I would like him. But as soon as you see him in a few press conferences, as soon as you see his... Obviously, we're at the King Power for most of the home games and his demeanour in the press room, he's smiley with everybody, he greets everybody. On the Thursday pre-match press conferences, he meet, he greets the reporters by name, knows exactly who they all are, shakes hands with them all. I can imagine him being exactly like that with the players and being so amicable, friendly and warm and that's contribute to the feel-good atmosphere at the club. And it's not false. It's not, no. It's not false. He's just generally being himself. I think if you had other managers um, trying to be funny or, or trying to have a laugh or, or moving away from their per, their normal persona, you can see it's false. But with Ranieri... Steve McLaren's one of like that, yeah. isn't it? Steve well, he McLaren changes his accent. Changes his accent, thinks he's everybody's mate when he's just not got any of the character 
that Ranieri's got. Ranieri's character's natural. Steve McLaren's tried to force it out of himself and make himself look like a right wally. So when Pearson comes back into management and he's everyone's friend shaking hands with everyone and, and uh, having a laugh, then you know it's false because, you know, it's not his, uh, it, it's his usual personality. But fantastic. it's just another another fun thing. And obviously everyone is behind Leicester who are Leicester fans, but the neutrals out there are now as well. And this thing, these, these sorts of little snippets just go a long way really in in helping that so uh, it's something that could have gone not horribly wrong but it could have been quite embarrassing but no not at all played it perfectly just like he has done all the time and just like he has done in the previous five minutes of what we discussed with his substitutions and the way he managed the uh, Watford game did you see what he said after the Watford game as well uh, one of the Sky Sports presenters you know they do that live video chat with the managers after the game yes uh, said um do you think Riyad Mahrez is good enough to play for any of the top six sides? And mm. Ranieri just looked at him and he said, "Well, yeah, he's playing for us." Yeah, exactly. I, mean, what, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear that question. But, but stupid, what stupid a, question. What a, what a question. We, we're top of the top six. Of course, he's good enough to play for the rest of them. Stupid. I think it was a quote I said earlier on in the season where I did say that in a few years' time we will be saying he played for us. Riyad Mahrez played what, for while Leicester. He, while he's at Barcelona or something. Possibly. PSG. But he might be on the pitch for, against Barcelona. For us. For us, exactly. Um, right, on to the next uh, next bit, which is best and worst 11. Mm. So as we all know out there, or as regular listeners to For Fox Sake, uh, for those new ones out there, hello. And uh, what we've been doing is every home game, we've been adding players into the best and worst 11 from players we've seen at the King Power Stadium, not including Leicester players. And at the end of the season, out of all the ones on the list of worst, all the ones on the list of best, we'll make a team of each and, and have a bit of a laugh. And remember, it's all about their performance on the day. doesn't matter how good they are or how bad they are away from the King Power. It's just that game. Right. My turn. So I will do the Norwich because I was there and you can do West Brom because you were there. Sounds like a good plan. Exactly. Um, Norwich, uh, no one. Basically, I don't think anyone stood out <laughs> for both teams. But uh, Norwich, Jerome was poor. I mean, he missed a few chances. but Championship striker. Yeah, uh, yeah, he is. And uh, I, there was no one really, no one was dreadful. No one was w- brilliant. No, it's, no. Just a bit of a non-entity. No, non-entity. But uh, my question goes to you, uh, Mr. Rob Hayes, mm. next to me. Um, anyone in the best or anyone in the worst XI of the season? For West Brom? Yes. I thought Darren Fletcher played very well in central midfield. You can tell he's a class footballer. Uh, probably didn't get as many of the plaudits he deserved at Manchester United because he was always surrounded by world-class players. But he does such a good job in there. Led by example, proper captain. His ball for Rondon's opener was perfectly weighted. He made one mistake that I saw that nearly led to a Leicester goal, but apart from that, he was impeccable. So I would like to put Darren Fletcher in there. Darren Fletcher? Darren Fletcher goes into the best eleven at the King Power Stadium. So Darren Fletcher's in the squad. What we'll do is we'll put up a list of all the players in the best and the worst eleven. They'll go on social media at FFSPod. They'll also go on the Facebook group. Just search for For Fox 8 Podcast on Facebook and you'll see an image of the best and worst 11 so far. As you know here on For Fox Sake, we are starting to gather a bit of a listener base, not only in Leicester and the UK, but from around the world as well. We've got fans and listeners in USA, Canada, some people travelling South America, all sorts of people who quite often keep in touch with us and Pete it's your job to sort of sift through the mailbox if you like what have you got for us this week 
Well, yes, uh, the host of the uh, podcast, which is on SoundCloud, uh, it gives you the ability to actually monitor where everyone is listening. And obviously the majority is in England and Leicestershire. But um, there is a, a huge following now in, in America. Um, I think, obviously, the story of Leicester being top of the league, the underdogs, the 5,000 to 1, um, the link with the Carolina Panthers, who unfortunately lost the Super Bowl final. Um, it's uh, So the American listenership is growing week on week. So first of all, hello. And, hello, um, hello, America. Yes, hello, America. Are we going to crack America? Well, Maybe like those those singers that crack America. We better crack Loughborough first. Oh, all right. <laughs> but um, yeah, hello to everyone out in America. And the, and the one thing I will say, because a lot of people out there are getting in contact with the show and saying how, A, for a start, how much they enjoy listening, which is great, fantastic, and how much they've enjoyed uh, following Leicester, whether it's because it's the new team for them, maybe it's because they've gotten onto the story uh, with Leicester. Um, and maybe they've picked a team, just like we do with the MLS. Have you got an MLS team? Not really, but I, we, I, we I understand help. the concept. People do it for cricket, don't they? Like the IPL. And... Yes, exactly. You, you pick a team, a bit like American football as well. You know, We all have maybe one team or two teams that we follow. Um, we, sh- we should actually, on the show, we shouldn't have a For Fox Sake team in America. We should have uh, an MLS team that we, on For Fox Sake, follow. Anybody out there who wants us to follow their MLS team? Yeah. Let us know. Let us know. There's... Give us your reasons why as well. Yes, there needs to be a reason why. You can't just pick one at random. You can't just say, oh, New York City, because, you know, I support them. Or, or what about uh, whoever else, um, the Red Bulls or Galaxy. There needs to be a specific reason. So if you're listening to the For Fox 8 podcast in America, uh, please get in contact with the show and tell us why we should support your MLS team. Best way is through Twitter, at FFS pod or like I said go onto Facebook search for for Fox 8 podcast and then just follow the group click like and then you can share it with your friends so that's uh, that's the American uh, listenership uh, sorted at the moment uh, also a big hello to uh, Kalla Eriksson over in Sweden uh, enjoys listening to the podcast uh, really like the tone in it must be referring to me, you've, and you've, um, got, you've got a lovely, warm, deep tone to your voice, Pete. That's enough. what that's what people have been saying, and uh, listening in Gothenburg, Sweden. So there we go. So a big hello out there, and of course we can't uh, we can't have a correspondence section without our friends down in South America, the three Leicester lads who are travelling. Um, a quick word because they've been back in contact. Um, they apologise for their tardiness, uh, and as we predicted, uh, they've been off the grid for a while. They've been to uh, Cambiasso's hometown, like we said, and they're now in Rio. They've survived the Rio Carnival, uh, and there was a, a photo that they sent through, and hopefully they're going to uh, go to the King Palace at some point. But uh, yeah, they're having a great time. So uh, Matt, Chris and Stu, the photo they sent through is exceptional. Can we tweet it? Can you tweet it? I think I already have. Oh, you've I will, tweeted it, have you? I will retweet that. So I will retweet it today, which is Monday. Uh, I'll also put it on the uh, Facebook page again. So again, Facebook and Twitter. I know we go on about it, but that is the best way. If you want to get in contact via email, again, if this is about the uh, the MLS team. Fantastic. It's for fox8podcast at gmail.com. And they're the ways to get in contact with the show. So to finish off, Newcastle. Oh, oh, yeah. A week let's, let's bring it back around let's, to some football, let's talk shall about we? Football. Um, Newcastle are crap. Yeah, they are. They're, they're in a, a, a dire, dire element. I mean, hang on. We could be saying this at any point of the season. Huge club, terribly run. I know they've spent money terribly, but 
it, they've just got no idea. They've got no... Personally, and, and the rumours are, and whether this happens or not, but obviously McLaren is under pressure. How, how they haven't appointed Nigel, in my eyes, Nigel Pearson? Yeah, yeah. What? He, he had a caretaker sent up there, didn't he? He's just the perfect person for that role, to sort the club out and to possibly keep them from going down. Even though, looking at the table, they're in the bottom three, the second bottom. They're a point behind Sunderland, who are in 17th. Sunderland have been scoring goals. They were unlucky not to get three points at the weekend. Norwich, again, they're going the wrong way very quickly. Um, it looks like it's two from three. And Newcastle are in dreadful form. So they will be coming to the King Power on TV again, because every single game is now going to be on TV. That's something we haven't mentioned. The fact that all the games got moved because of, obviously, the running. I think it's something that we all expected. And they're all going to be now at uh, half past one on a Sunday. Um I don't think it's going to cause the same kind of uproar as the uh, games being moved away from home, especially the Arsenal. Uh, the one thing I will say is that <laughs> the only remaining three o'clock kickoff at the King Power is the game against Everton, which, if we're in the same position, has got no chance of being at three no o'clock. No chance of being three o'clock, no. <laughs> Sky, I'm not going to miss up on the opportunity of seeing possibly uh, a league trophy being lifted. So, Newcastle, basically, they're there for the taking. Leicester at home, Monday night football. We could stick a few past them, I think. We've, we, I mean, we've had two 1-0 wins where we've not played brilliantly. We've had a 2-2 against West Brom where we've played better but haven't taken as many chances as we could have. I think we can just go and smash them. Yeah. Uh, early goal, bang, go and get them. I know Newcastle have that element of when they're on TV, they play well. Maybe because the players who are actually there as a stepping stone to bigger things, um, they like to perform on, on TV. But, um, yeah, I agree. I remember the games last season against Newcastle. They were dreadful. They came down in the cup, awful. Oh, that was, oh, they that were was woeful. such a bad game. They were woeful, and they were poor in the league. So yes, it's they are there for the taking. And again, Leicester will be playing after a lot of teams have played. Um, I think Tottenham, as we're trying to find the fixture list, Tottenham have a game at home, and I'm going to speculate it's a relatively straightforward game. This is really poor. Uh, podcasting. Drag it out. Uh, drag it out a bit longer. <laughs> How can? Where are the fixtures? <laughs> they're they're away at Villa. Oh, that's a buy. Right. So uh, Tottenham have a a buy in the league, which is extraordinary. They're away at Aston Villa. You never know. They might turn up. Arsenal are at home. Arsenal to... could play West Brom. Yeah, they're, they're likely to be playing in the cup if they beat Hull. Right. So uh, that game might not go ahead. But... And Man City are away at Norwich. So it's interesting that we're now looking at the fixture list of other teams. That's a that's a but change. Man City and Spurs have surely got guaranteed three points. There. Yeah, I know, but that's a change, isn't it? That we're looking at what the opposition, who are they playing? But and speculating. regardless of what happens, we'll still be top of the league when it comes to the Newcastle game on Monday night. Exactly, and and the fact that I said earlier on in the show that um, who who knows what could happen, and it doesn't matter who you're playing because anything can happen, and look at the results recently. But again, it's all about, it's, it's the fun of it, isn't it? You, you do that when you're down at the bottom, as we all know, that you look for your uh, rivals. Right. Who are they playing? Yeah, yeah. Speculate. That's what everyone's talking about. That's what they're talking about in the pubs, the clubs, or whatever is the, the, the saying nowadays at the bus stop. Um, at the bus stop. At the bus stop. <laughs> <laughs> in the bookies. There you are. It's, whatever, it's what everyone's talking about. Not just how Leicester are going to do, but especially when they play on a Monday, it's how everyone else is going to do that weekend. So yes, Newcastle. Um, interesting though, because um, Newcastle, like I said, they do like to turn up on TV. I think if we get a 
early goal, we can really smash them. I presume they're going to play exactly the same team unless there are injury problems with the likes of Maris, like we said. Maybe N'Golo Kante could have felt something from that game. Probably not because the guy is, uh, I don't think he's maybe fully human. Um, no, he's got some he's part machine. Some he's a, part machine. Yeah, he's part machine. Uh, but we're going to gloss over that because it might not be in the rules that we can play some kind of Android. Um Interesting though with the uh, with the podcast because the, we are going to try and record the podcast at the King Power Stadium mainly because our schedule is horrific afterwards. Very busy, and it's all down to me. Basically, I I can't do the podcast for the following two weeks because one of them is in uh, in this, Vegas. This is a massive lack of commitment in the title race here, Pete. You're letting the side down. Well, I'm going on holiday to Vegas. That surely, yeah, it is. There's not bad. there's a time and a place. You're going on holiday to Vegas with eight games left. How could, dare you? Could I phone into the show? Could we do a, uh, a a link through Skype or something? If you find a solid internet connection in Vegas and haven't drank or gambled too much of your life away. Well, that's, I can't promise that. But um, <laughs> I could be in my 1989 Leicester shirt doing the podcast. We'll have to cross that. We'll have to have a meeting when we're not live on air. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to try and do the podcast from the King Power Stadium after the game. So that could be interesting. So stand by for that. Uh, also, anyone out there, like we mentioned in America, if you're in Vegas, get in contact with the show. Pete, that, I'd love to meet you. <laughs> that would be brilliant. But, um, yes, so uh, Newcastle next. It'll be interesting to see what the other teams also how they react with the fact that they are now five points behind. Will we be posting pictures of bottles on their website to say that uh, they have lost? Hey, you never know. I'm hey. just I'm, I'm just saying what everyone else is going to be doing. That's that's what other people will be doing, and me. So enjoy the week. Enjoy watching Norwich versus Man City. Enjoy watching West Brom turn over Arsenal and the Villa maybe getting out of a bit of trouble by playing Tottenham at home. Imagine that. We're all going to be supporting Villa. Oh. On Sunday. It's Think, a Super Sunday, 4 o'clock. Things have got bad. <laughs> so enjoy your week. I'm sure you will. Get in contact with the show, like I said, what we've all said before. And, uh, well, I've, I normally finish by saying up the city, but um, we can't really go any higher. Five points clear. We shall not be moved.